So, progressive sanctification. It's a word that you've heard me say often. That's the process all of us are under after we come to Christ. God wants all of us to enter into a true sanctification process so that he can, he can bring the process of molding and shaping and transforming us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. He wants to make us a better and a more holy people. He wants to, to transform us by the renewing of our minds. And he wants to put right thinking into our thought process. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit that this is done in your life. However, you will not be a passive robot in all of this. You have to be willing to work in cooperation with the Holy Spirit once He begins to start the sanctification process in you. Our job is to get into the Word, to find out exactly what it is that God wants to change about us to find out exactly what godly qualities what god what qualities god wants us to put on those things that he wants us to take up and to put on what qualities he wants us to take off or to or to put away and this section of scripture that we've been in in galatians is one of those places that he lays that right out for us right there in black and white so let's read our scripture passage together again Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 26. Open your Bibles there. If you don't have one, open up the Pew Bible in front of you to page 1239. So Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We live by the Spirit. Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So today we continue our series on the fruit of the Spirit, the character of Jesus that God wants to develop in you and me, growing more like Jesus. Saying this morning, most of our songs were about Jesus wasn't by accident, so that we can shine in a dark world. We first looked at the, the fruit of love. Love has to do with your heart attitude. We looked at the fruit of joy. Joy has to do with your emotional attitude. Next was the fruit of peace. Peace is a, an attitude of the mind. Those first three fruits are, are the inward fruit that, that people see in us. Last week we started the second cluster, the, the manward fruit, how we walk and step in the spirit in front of others, towards others. Last week we looked at patience, how we react to people. This week is kindness. Kindness has to do with our behavior toward people. The fruit of the spirit is such an important one and sadly one that is really lacking in our world today, this particular part of the fruit of the Spirit. You remember the familiar words of Romans 3.12, Paul says, all have turned aside, all have turned aside. No one does good, not even one. Well, actually in the Greek, 
Actually, in the Greek, he says, no one does Christotis. No one does Christotis. That's the word that is used there in the Greek. Christosis actually means kindness. There's no one doing kindness. This isn't moral good as opposed to moral evil. This is kindness. Where is kindness? Where is kindness in our culture? Where is kindness among fallen people? Where is kindness among the church even? The opposite of the deeds of the flesh that we saw in the, those earlier verses. Paul says there, there is no one doing kindness. Now sure, that's, that's a little hyperbole. You know, he's, he's being a little dramatic there, but, but our world is full of people who cut in line, who won't let others over in traffic. Matter of fact, if they see you, they'll, they'll speed up just so you can't get in front of them. They insult those around them. They don't open doors for, for little old ladies anymore or people carrying groceries. Laugh at others' misfortunes. Take a video of it instead. Put it on YouTube. They try to show their superiority, their superiority by, by dragging others down. Make themselves look good. In a world of cynicism and criticism and sarcasm and scorn, it sometimes seems people have forgotten how how to be kind to each other. When our focus is on ourselves, we either just don't, we just don't take the time or we don't make the effort to be kind. The sad thing is, is although it is easy to be unkind to others, it's really not that hard to be kind either. There are people who let others go ahead of them in line who compliment those around them, who, who hurry to open doors for people, sympathize, sympathize with others' problems, show their humility and willingness to, to serve others. It's easy. It's easy to pick out those that are showing kindness. But unfortunately, people who base their thinking on a, a survival of the fittest mentality may not see the need for true kindness. People like to receive kindness, but they often don't really see the benefit of being kind. The world needs a lot more kindness in it. Your life needs more kindness in it. The people around you need a lot more kindness. So let's look at the fruit of kindness together. What is kindness? The Greek word for kindness is Christosis. I, I mentioned this earlier. It means benignity, tender concern, uprightness. The, the King James Version translates it as gentleness. And that's because these, these words are so close and they're, they're shades of meaning. To be kind, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, means to have a sympathetic or helpful nature. It also indicates gentleness, compassion, and affection. See, kindness, kindness is different than niceness. It's different than being nice. It goes deeper. It's a genuine reflection of the heart. We can be nice to people. We can put on a, a face and be nice to people, but kindness, that's, that's a reflection of something that's inside of you. Niceness can be helpful, but kindness is a result of a heart in the right place. It essentially means goodness of heart. The goodness of heart that intends the very best for others. A high level of virtue that always seeks to do good. Takes the initiative in responding to other people's needs. Throughout the, the Bible, two other qualities are off, often associated with kindness. Love and mercy. Peter wrote of adding love to brotherly affection or kindness in 2 Peter 1.7. Paul wrote about putting on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience in Colossians 3.12. It's based on the mindset described in Philippians 2.3-4. 
Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Kindness is, is humbling, give, humbly giving ourselves in love and mercy to others who may not be able to give anything back, who sometimes don't deserve it, who frequently don't even thank us for it. Truth is, we, we are surrounded by God's kindness every day. Evidence of his kindness shows in our lives, in the, in the Bible, and in his character. Jesus set the ultimate example of kindness with his life. And following his example can be difficult, but God calls and equips believers to be kind. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit that he wants to grow in us. So let's look at what Scripture says about God and kindness. God's kindness is part of his character. It's part of his character. The Bible tells us that God's kindness is part of his character. It's at the very heart of his character. When God revealed his name and his character to Moses in Exodus 34.6, Exodus 34.6, He proclaimed this, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God's kindness has to do with his compassion, his grace, and his love. Here God presents himself to Moses as the compassionate, merciful, and gracious God, abounding in love. The Hebrew word translated love in this verse is an important word related, relating to God in the Bible. It refers to his kindness, his mercy, and his faithfulness. We sometimes even translate this word as God's steadfast love or other translations, loving kindness. It's loving kindness. Psalm 136 uses this same word to describe God's character. Um, Psalm 136, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. The word translated love in this verse is the same word we found in, 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 uh, for God's loving kindness in Exodus 34. The amazing thing, the amazing thing about Psalm 136 is that the psalm keeps repeating this description of God over and over. 26 times in 26 verses, we are told that God's steadfast love, His loving kindness endures forever. There's there's countless other verses that speak of of God's kindness. Acts 14, 17, Yet He has not left Himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in the seasons, who provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy, gives that to people. He shows his kindness just with the weather. Amen. Jeremiah 9.24, But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. He delights in exercising his kindness and his justice and his righteousness on earth. God's kindness is just part of his character. Kindness is just part of who he is. It's how how he displays himself. How he chooses to interact with his creation. The earth and his people. God's kindness leads us to repentance. The Bible also tells us that God's kindness leads us to repentance. Romans 2.4. Romans 2.4. Romans 2.4 asks a question. Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, tolerance, and patience? Not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards 
repentance. Titus 3, 4. Titus 3, 4. Speaks of the kindness of God, our Savior. Because of the kindness of God, our Savior, in His love for us, He saved us. Hallelujah. In Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 7. Ephesians 2, 7. So that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That says that we were saved so that God could lavish us out of the riches of His grace with deeds and kindness forever and ever and ever and ever. God's kindness led us to repentance that, so that we, we could be saved by Him through His Son. So that He would be able to show His kindness to us forever and ever. This is the goodness of God. This is the kindness of God toward us. Psalm 25, 6. Psalm 25, 6 makes an interesting point about the origin of kindness. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. They have been from of old. God's loving kindness are from old. He has always been kind toward us. It's always been his intention to be kind toward us. <clears throat> the difference between kindness and loving kindness. Children's Sunday school teacher asked her class if they knew the difference between kindness and loving kindness. Little Mary said she knew the difference. She told the teacher that kindness is like when you ask your mother for some toast and she gives it to you. That's kindness. I asked for toast. Mom gave me toast. She's very kind to me. But loving kindness is when you ask your mother for some toast and she gives it to you with butter and jelly on it. Yeah. That's loving kindness. A little bit more than what you asked for. A little bit more than you needed. God created the world and all of humanity. He graciously allows us to live here. He also gives us free choice to live as we please. We can choose to follow him or we can choose to reject him. God comes to us not trying to force or coerce us with threats of, of judgment, although judgment will come, but he comes to us in goodness, kindness, knowing full well our situation in light of who he is. Jesus said, the Father in Luke 6.34, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Matthew 5.44, he causes his reign to fall on the just and the unjust. God shows his kindness because he wants to draw people to himself. Because he wants to draw people to himself to show how loving and how kind he is. He uses his kindness to draw people to himself. He deeply wants us to choose His way of life, knowing that it is the only way that will bring true happiness. When we hear of God's judgments, we often run the other way. But when we hear of God's kindness to us in the gospel, we're drawn to Christ. We turn away from our sins. We ask Him to save us, and He does. His great kindness toward us. That's the toast. God shows his loving kindness toward us when he not only forgives our sins, cleanses us from all unrighteousness, gives us eternal life, he adopts us as his children and gives us an inheritance. That's the butter and the jelly. That's more than we need. He sent his son, paid the price to forgive our sins. That would have been enough. But he didn't stop there. He showed loving kindness toward us. He cleanses us from our unrighteousness. He didn't just forgive the things that we did. He helps us to overcome them. Gives us eternal life. 
He could have forgiven us. Okay, you're forgiven. I'm not, I'm not going to pour my wrath out on you, but you're going to have to die, and that'll be it, the end. But I won't give you eternal punishment. You're forgiven, but you're going to die, and that'll be the end. No. Forgive you. Going to cleanse you of those things and help you overcome that sin in your life. And then you're going to spend eternity with me. Man, that is kindness. Praise God for his loving kindness toward us. Jesus' life was, was full of kindness. Jesus is the Son of God who displayed all the fruit of the Spirit in his life. And we certainly see that when it comes to the fruit of kindness. We read in, in Matthew 9.36, 9.36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And when some children were brought to him so that he could lay his, his hands on him, or so he could lay his hands on them and pray, the disciples rebuked him. But, but what did he say? Matthew 9, 19, 14. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Children that had no standing in the culture. They were to be seen and not heard. Who had nothing to offer him, him in exchange. They had no money, no power, no prestige that they could give him. Nothing that would help him further his, his, his role or, or his mission, quote-unquote, as the world would see it. He showed kindness to them. He invited them in when everyone else rebuked them. On another occasion in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29, Eleven, chapter eleven, verses twenty-eight through twenty-nine. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He says, not the rich. Not the famous or the powerful. Not those that can, that can put me in a better position. Those who labor. Those who are heavy laden. Come to me. I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. Learn from me. Showed kindness to those who are in great difficulty. Jesus was strong and tender. His kindness didn't overlook sin. But his rebuke was couched in kindness. John 8, the, the adulterous woman. The woman that was caught, caught in adultery. The, fear, the Pharisees wanted to stone her. What did Jesus say to them? He told them, well, who you without sin cast the first stone. Right? Of course they leave. They realized they were sinners. To her, he says, well, who condemns you now? Now that those self-righteous are gone, who condemns you now? He says, neither do I condemn you. Go. From now on, sin no more. That was his response to a humiliated woman. Not a 10-minute rebuke over every sin that she's ever committed. Every mistake that she ever made. Well, that's what you get. 
That's what happens when you choose that life. See, you, you, you've got that coming to you. Serves you right. No, the judge of all the earth was not harsh. He took no glee or pleasure in condemnation. He showed compassion and kindness. Understanding our weaknesses. Jesus had compassion for people and he turned that compassion into action. He showed kindness. He healed the sick. He, he fed the hungry. He touched the lepers. He, he taught the crowds. He took time with people. He sat and he ate with sinners. He even forgave those who crucified him. These are all wonderful acts of kindness. The ultimate act of kindness was when Jesus laid down his life for us on the cross. Ephesians 1 7. Ephesians 1 7 tells us, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. The riches of God's king, kindness and grace were, were never more on full display than when Jesus gave his life for you, for me, on the cross. Hallelujah. And that leads us directly to our next point this morning, which is a relation between God's kindness and his grace. God's kindness and grace go together in the Bible. God's kindness is, is part of his grace to us. When we consider God's kindness in relation to grace, several things come to the forefront. First, the Bible tells us that God's kindness is undeserved. It's undeserved. Titus 3, Titus 3, 4 through 5. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing, regeneration, renewal of the Holy Spirit. Not because of righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. Kindness that God has shown in Christ is completely undeserved. We didn't deserve it. In fact, it's, it's the exact opposite of what we deserve. Romans 11.22 Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. We, do, we did not deserve God's kindness, but his severity. We deserve his wrath. That's what we have coming. That's what we deserve. And if he chose to pour out his wrath on, on us, it would be completely deserved. We would get what we had coming. We did not deserve God's kindness, but his punishment for our sins. God did not save us because we were good, but because he is kind. God's kindness is not only undeserved, but God's kindness is unearned. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one may boast. God's grace is something you receive by faith, not something you earn by your works. Grace, by definition, is something that is unearned. If you could somehow earn it, then it wouldn't be grace. God's kindness is undeserved, it's unearned. So the question is, why do we often withhold kindness from those that we deem unworthy or undeserving of it? Why are we kind? God's kindness should motivate us to be kind toward others. Matthew 
18.33. Matthew 18.33. Jesus sums up the parable of the unmerciful servant with these words. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In other words, because God has been merciful to us, we have an obligation to be merciful to others too. Ephesians 4.32 And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. As God in Christ forgave you, be kind to one another. Verse 31 reveals the implied opposite of that. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander. Well, these are clearly traits God does not want in his chosen people. He doesn't want us to be filled with bitterness or, or wrath toward one another, anger, doesn't want us to clamor or, or argue against one another, to slander each other. No. He wants us to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving, just as he was toward us. But we shouldn't be kind to others simply out of obligation. We should desire to be kind to others because we want to be like our Heavenly Father. As Jesus said, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. God says, be holy for I am holy. We are, we are to be like Him. That's what Christians mean, Christ-like, right? We're to be, be transformed into the image of Christ. So God, why does God want, to want us to demonstrate kindness? We are tools to extend God's loving kindness and mercy to the world. We are to be His hands and feet here. We are to reflect the light and the example of His compassion, mercy, and kindness. We are to become more like Him so we can attract others to Him. And we can mistakenly think there are loopholes in what we have to obey. We can sometimes think that we can use our big butt to get around these hard sections of Scripture that we don't like. But you don't know. You don't know how much that hurt that they did to me. But they lied. They were unfair, but they were, they were unfair. But you don't know what they said. Jesus would say, but nothing. I know all about those things. I know more things about what they did than you do. And I still show them kindness. I still show them kindness. So should you. Living with one foot in and one foot out does nothing for you eternally. Does nothing to declare to the culture what it is you say you believe. We share the good news, but, but there can be a disconnect between what we proclaim, how we live, and how we interact with others. The good news and good news should go hand in hand. And when they do, we make the gospel attractive. Titus 2.10, the NLT translation says, Then they will make the teaching about our God, about God our Savior, attractive in every way. When we live a life of righteousness and kindness, and lovingness and forgiveness toward others, we make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive in every way. I don't think I need to tell you how ugly people are to one another today. People get canceled for expressing opinions that others don't share. The, the, discourse, the discourse regarding public health, political debate, Discussions on, on morality are more and more contentious and divisive right now. Right? The country has never been more divided 
Well, as Christians, we are to take a stand for righteousness. We are to take a stand for righteousness. But we are not to be unkind or belligerent when speaking out against the things that are contrary to God. When we use the same tone as a culture, we fail to reveal the attractiveness of the gospel. We don't make ourselves look any different than them. We just have a different opinion. When we act like them and, and, we, and we react with, with anger and hostility and de- decisiveness, we're just like them. We just, we just have a different point of view than them. We're not different. We just have a different opinion. It's not what we're supposed to be. During the Spanish conquest of Mexico under Hernando Cortez in the early 1500s, a resistance leader named Hatney was captured after, after a fierce battle. He was sentenced to be burned alive. After tying him to the stake, his captors urged him to become a Christian so that at his death his soul might be given entrance into heaven. Before we burn you, accept Christ. You're going to die in a minute. We are going to burn you to death before we do that. Accept Christ so that you can go to heaven. We are going to burn you to death, but we don't want you to burn for eternity. So accept Christ. He asked his tormentors if they expected to go to this place. Being told that they did, he cried out, Then I will not be a Christian. For I will not again go to a place where I would find men so cruel. If you are what is a Christian, if you represent a Christian and this religion, no thank you. Count me out. Why would I want any part of that? People that are so cruel, you're going to burn me alive? but you want me to accept your God. The gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to turn entire nations. But the so-called witness for Jesus can be detrimental to the cause of Christ, too. How many of you remember Westboro Baptist Church? Hmm? Their protest against homosexuality. I mean, they were, they were zealous. I'll give them that. Rightfully so. But how did they show it? How did they show that zealousness? Were they loving? Were they kind? Did they show the grace and mercy of God? No. I mean, they... They began to protest vets' funerals, veterans' funerals, and they would go protest. They had it coming. They deserved it. That's what they get. There are people out there who want nothing to do with Jesus. They base this on their experience with people who call themselves Christians, yet look nothing like Christ. Now, we don't overlook sin, still need to stand up against it, but we must show the love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness of Christ. This way we can be his vessels to help bring them to repentance. It's easy to show kindness to those that we like, that are like us. It's easy for us to show kindness to one another. We like each other, right, for the most part, for the most part. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. But even then it's challenging, isn't it? Don't point at each other. (laughs) Yeah, four, four fingers are pointing back. Kindness is from God through Jesus to the unworthy and the undeserving. 
a tall order, isn't it? It's a tall order. How do we do that? Standing for the gospel, rejecting the culture of our day while also being kind and making the gospel attractive through our life is impossible without the indwelling influence of the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit grows its fruit within our hearts, the kindness we increasingly demonstrate draws others to the gospel. There will always be a manifest kindness in a spirit-filled believer. The source and the power for that is the indwelling Holy Spirit. The believer who walks in the Spirit, people should know you for your kindness. Should be an earmark of you. When people describe you, they should describe you with that word. If you are truly a Spirit-filled Christian, if you are becoming like Christ, people should say, oh yeah, they're kind. You should be known for your kindness, for your non-retaliatorious spirit, for your willingness to push anger far, far away no matter how you've been offended, offer people grace and mercy and forgiveness. We need to be filled and refilled. Country Church was having their annual revival meeting. On the first night, the preacher preached a message about repentance and the need to return to the Lord. And at the altar call, a man came down the aisle saying, Fill me, Lord, fill me. Next night, the preacher challenged the congregation with a need to totally surrender their lives to Christ in complete obedience. Again, the altar call was extended. Like the night before, the same man came down the aisle saying, Fill me, Lord, fill me. third night of the revival, the preacher warned his congregation of the evils of sin and urged the congregation to live lives of holiness. Again, the invitation, the same man came up the aisle saying, fill me, Lord, fill me. To what someone in in the back yelled, don't do it, Lord, he leaks. Don't do it, Lord. He leaks. The truth is, we all leak a little, don't we? We all leak a little. Paul taught the work of the Holy Spirit is progressive. Progressive sanctification. When we come to Christ, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Yet, we still need to be mindful of our constant need to be filled and refilled again with the power and the influence of God the Holy Spirit in us. We all need to measure our, our progress against what the Scriptures say. What was demonstrated in the, in the person of Jesus Christ. We need to yield ourselves to the power to become more like Christ. First word in the list of the fruit of the Spirit is love. Many of the attributes that follow are special manifestations of love. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and, and gentleness. The others are, are not far removed. Joy, peace, and, and self-control. You cannot help but be more kind to others if God's love is flowing through you. Once the love of God starts to flow and operate through you to touch others, many, uh, many of the other fruit will just start to follow, like dominoes. Once God's love fills you, and you allow that to flow through you to others, the other fruit will just, will just naturally follow, because they're born out of love, out of love for others. If you're loving, if you love others, you recognize their weakness. You can have patience. You can be filled with joy in spite of situations. 
You can show them kindness that they don't deserve because you know that the kindness that God showed you is what drew you to him. You can be good. You can be gentle. God's very character is marked by his loving kindness toward us. Without God's kindness, we would all be lost. God has been so kind to you in so many ways. His greatest kindness of sending his son to die for you, to save you. God has been so kind to us. How can we not be kind to each other? How extraordinary that one of the most important things God asks us to do is simply to be kind to each other. Be kind to each other. Sometimes it's the the little things that count. Give true compliments, not flattery. Give true compliments to others to help brighten their day. Speak a kind word to those who may be discouraged. Interact with strangers instead of just walking by them or, or looking down. Many of you do that as you walk in the store. No eye contact. Right? Right. You got your phone in your face. Open doors for them. Smile. Say hello. Help them carry something. Sit and talk with people who clearly don't want to be by themselves. You see them sitting there, may even think, hmm, how lonely they look. Well, go sit and talk with them. Show kindness. Look for ways to help those in need. There are more needs around you than you even realize. We all think, hey, I'm the only one that has problems. I have no idea the deep struggles that others, those, look to your left, look to your right, look in front of you, look behind you. Every one of us, every one of us is going through something. There's a struggle happening. Some, some just hide it really well. Make room for kindness in your schedule. Sometimes we're so busy that we can't stop to be kind. Don't squander opportunities to show kindness either. God presents those opportunities for us. to Show kindness to one another and to those out there who need witness. They need the testimony of a kind Christian in their life. And if you miss one, determine to do better the next chance you get. Make a commitment today to be kind to others as God has been to you. Kindness is not a selfish attempt to get something for ourselves. It is a show of mercy and love to others with, with no thought of reward. It's thinking of the interest of others over ourselves. Those who who need to know Christ. They need to know God's forgiveness and His mercy. May we all develop the same type of love and kindness that God has for us. Realize that kindness is not just something that you feel in your heart something that you do with your hands and feet. Something that you do. It's the goodness of the heart that's reflected in the actions. Ask the Holy Spirit to inspire your behavior so that you may grow more like Jesus in your kindness toward others. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Show 
the rest of the world the kindness God has toward us that they can experience for themselves. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we come before you again humbled and grateful for your incredible kindness toward us. We didn't deserve it. We are completely undeserving. We could never earn it. And yet you chose to look out for our best interest. Your loving kindness toward us led you to action. Your kindness offered us forgiveness of our sins. Eternity in heaven with you. The indwelling Holy Spirit to help us overcome the sin in our life. We are so incredibly grateful for the kindness that you continue to show us each and every day. I pray that you would help us Help us to grow in the fruit, the Spirit, that we would be known for our kindness, that we would be more like Christ, that we could draw others to the gospel message so that they could experience the same thing. Father, we pray that you would accomplish these things in us, through us, and for us, for your glory. Amen.